everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag again, and this week we cover one of the most feared self-defense scenarios you could ever find yourself in. Defending yourself against multiple attackers. Now, most fighting systems don't teach this sort of training, especially at the beginner or even the novice level. And it's a real weak spot, especially with traditional martial arts systems. In fact, this week's guest found out the hard way about what doesn't work against multiple attackers, but swore to never make that mistake again, and I was really excited to get him on the line because he's one of my favorite guys putting out real hardcore street defense training, and I know you're going to love it. So let's go ahead and get started right now. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Facing multiple attackers is one of the most life-threatening encounters you could ever find yourself in. But although most training is done with a one-on-one attack, the reality is that most street fights aren't one-on-one. Whether you're targeted by smart gang members who realize that swarming you in numbers makes you an easy victim, or someone's buddies jump in to help him out when you're forced to defend yourself from the average drunken fool, you better be prepared to fight back effectively. Your best defense is, of course, to escape the area as quickly as possible and put the danger behind you. Unfortunately, you may not have that option, and if you're cornered with no escape, you need to know what tactics will get you killed and which ones will get you home safe. That's what we're here today to discuss. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor of Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another survival podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and patriot. And joining us in this episode is a longtime networked instructor of our International Society of Close Quarter Combatants and an expert on street fight survival, Lee Morrison. Lee, welcome to the program. Oh, hi, Jeff. Nice to be here. Thanks a lot. Yep. Now, I'll tell you, this honestly, Lee is one of my favorite instructors from the network that we have at the ISCQC. I mean, if you ever watch his DVDs, you'll see exactly why. And Lee's pass has actually started from a traditional martial arts approach until he learned the hard way that the standard approaches to self-defense were ineffective in a real fight. Attacked by two men in the street, Lee's training failed him, but it put him on the path of developing his own science-based system of urban combatives. Lee has just released a new DVD with Paladin Press called Mass Attacks, and you can see this DVD and all of Lee's training at his website at www.urbancombatives.com. Now, I want to go ahead and jump right into this, Lee, because I know a lot of people are really, really concerned with multiple attackers. So, Lee, what if when most people, when they're facing multiple attackers, defeat themselves mentally before the first strike is ever thrown because they think that there's no way they could possibly beat more than one attacker. So what are the best ways to switch on your internal killer instinct so that you can program yourself to attack rather than just roll over and play for mercy? To be honest, you're not going to pull it out of your pull it out of a hat. Uh, at the moment of the event, it's something that you've got to preordain before the event. So part of your training in the physical sense for self-protection has to be geared towards mental conditioning to um, reframe how you think about such things. 
Uh, if you can't avoid a problem, you de-escape and you are a cornered animal and you have to fight them. Society dictates nowadays, yes, you are likely to face more than assailant. You are likely to face uh, more than one assailant. One possibly has a weapon. Here, one of the biggest problems that we have in, uh, in culture is um, five or six guys in the street, two or three armed, and uh, one of them has a big dog. You know, one of them has a, like a shark on a lead as a dog. I mean, you're facing that kind of mortal armed threat. You're probably looking at the worst case scenario. So, but, but even in a situation like that, how you think will inevitably affect the outcome of the event. How you think, how you think affects how you feel. So, if you immediately think, "Oh my God, there's two of them. There's nothing I can do." Well, <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you have to think about it different. You know, if you think, "Oh my God, look at the side of this guy's going to kill me," well, then you, you've already lost on a psychological level. Whereas if you think, "Fuck me, look how much of him there is to hit." Look at all the target opportunity. It's a different way of thinking. So what I try and condition my students to think along the lines of is more predatory as opposed to, um, you know, a victim trying not to be a victim. And that's something that you have to precondition uh, before the event. Lee, you talk about the predator-prey mindset a lot in your DVDs. And whenever you're up against multiple attackers, their predatory mindset and advantage of numbers can often give them the confidence to reach out and strike you. So in your DVDs, you suggest to show them that you are an even bigger predator than they are. How exactly can you do this and instill fear in them to either back off or make them more vulnerable to defeat? You've got to understand the tactics of um, you know, more players, how they operate. You get three or four guys in front of you, you usually got one alpha male who's a front man, who's usually, you know, the uh, taking the lead, if you like. And then you've got um, beats and hours around him who, you know, want to reach or achieve alpha male status. So how might they do that? Well, you might have one guy gobbing off at you while two or three of them triangulate. The first one to you in the head has got something to celebrate after the event in the pub later. Well, if you understand that, the very first thing that you've got to do is, is keep your head. Psychological tactics are everything. You know, the use of language, how you use language. That's when you've got to say, don't fucking touch me, stay exactly where you are. You fucking touch me, I'll bite your fucking nose off. Whatever, you've got to just be aggressive and use post-threat consequence, put up an assertive physical boundary and back it up with a verbal boundary. And I'll make a gesture that says, I'm serious. So, you know, you've got to mean it. It's not a case of bag, because clearly criminals are good at what they do. You know, and they will see through. They'll see um, through it, yeah. Here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, people look at me and think, Christ, I couldn't say something like that. Is he like that? That's a bit crazy. It's not necessarily who I am or who I've been, but it's who I need to be for the 10 seconds of this event, right? So if I've got two or three people and I look at one of them and behind the, the mouth of male and I say, see you, I've cut you first. Now, he doesn't know I haven't got a knife. He doesn't know I won't, you know, he doesn't know that I won't cut him and I'm not serious. Now I've got a chink in his armor and I'll see it. You know, and that's going to give you that momentary advantage where if it's possible to de-escalate the situation, then that's where it's going to happen. Because the one thing that gives them the sheer advantage over you is numbers. You know, you start clinically dropping one or two people very quickly, their will continue dissipates, and I've seen that many, many times. But if I'm in a three-on-one and I drop the first guy, well, now I'm in a two-on-one. 
that's better than a three-on-one. And if I drop the first two and beat the third one psychologically, well, then that's even better for me, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Okay, we've been talking with Lee Morrison of UrbanCombatives.com about what really works in a mass attack. And we have a lot more to cover, including how to decide which person to attack first. The best close quarters tactics that'll work when you're facing two, three, or more attackers, and how to control your space and movement when surrounded by a violent gang of thugs. But first, check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, three hundred fifty pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do? Without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD, you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Lee Morrison of UrbanCombatives.com, talking about how to survive a violent assault from multiple attackers. And Lee has a lot more to share, so let's jump right back into my interview now. Lee, one of the biggest questions that comes up when it, when it involves multiple attackers is how to decide who is the first person that you should hit when you know that your life is threatened and that you have to fight back. And a lot of that comes down to how you read the situation. I know every every scenario is going to be a little bit different. So what's your advice on what maybe the typical type of a scenario would be when you're facing multiple attackers? And then how do you decide who to hit first in that scenario? The very first thing I would say is get your awareness in place and keep threat recognition. Understand what you're looking for. Understand that if you walk past any group of people, there's a potential that something can happen. What you're looking for is the earliest cue. If you understand the dynamic, if these three people selected you as a subject to assault or target, this is how it would pan out. The first thing that would happen, the alpha male in the group would look at you and possibly make eye contact with you. In that eye contact moment, he's interviewing you and assessing whether you are an eligible target, shall we say. From there, he will group communicate to his two friends who will look left and right and say something, and then they will all look at you. Can you picture this in your head as I'm saying it? Yeah. Group communication followed by group eye contact. So it starts with eye contact, group communication, group eye contact. How much more information than that do you need to know that you've got a potential problem coming? Well, if you spot that at 50 feet or 20 feet, 
you've got an opportunity to do something. You can run, you can get armed, you can do something else. You can at least mentally prepare. Let's say that you miss that. From there, they move across your path of movement to arrest your escape route and one engage you with introductory dialogue. As does that, the other two will triangulate you. From there, the assault will happen. And it will happen from all directions, all at once. At what part in that video do you want to take part? I mean, most people are walking down the road with the iPod in, texting on their phone. And the first that they realize they're in a situation like that is when they've already been triangulated and they're about to be hit. It's too late. Well, from there, what I would say is if they, the three did engage you and you had space, move to the flanking at the first advantage you can. In a physical tactic, I would say flank and hit. Lee, I've seen some multiple attacker training from other instructors that suggest that you kind of like you dance around and try to line up your attackers in a straight line so that you can beat them one-on-one -on -one like you're in some kind of a ninja movie. You know, honestly, for me, that seems pretty impractical. I don't really see gang members willingly dancing around with you for an extended period of time to give you the opportunity to take them out one by one. So what's a better way to control your attacker's position so that you're not swarmed all at once and you can counterattack in a more controlled manner, whether you're in an open environment or a confined space. If I'm going to my car in a big open car park, then I'm in a big open space. This is and cons to that. One is you can start moving tactically and legging it and moving around and, and, and uh, delay yourself getting hit. Another is that you could possibly run and bolt because you've, there's plenty of escape room. The cons to it might be that they can move also, which means it's much easier for, for them to triangulate you in the environment. Whereas if you look at a confined space, dealing with three-on-one and let's say a lift, or an elevator as you guys call it, um, the dynamic's massively different, isn't it? So dealing with three people in a big open car park is very different to dealing with three people in an elevator or on a stairwell. It's not anime right from the off, and you turn around and you're getting that dialogue, introductory dialogue before the event, because they're not quite ready to assault yet, then my mobility would entail moving to a tactical position, called it stacking, you know, <laughs> putting them in a line, basically. So if I've got two guys in front of me, the worst place I can be is in the middle of two of them, because even if I use situational control or offense, it's divided 50, it's only half as efficient as it would be. Whether if I hard flank to the closest guy I do me and reposition so he has to reorientate to me, then momentarily they're both in a staggered line. Does that make sense? Yeah. This gives me an opportunity to quickly assess them back up or two if necessarily preempt the first one. Personally, I like confinement. I fight best at extreme close quarters because in a lift environment, I'm using angles, I'm using walls to bash people off, and I'm getting people and using them cover. What we teach is cover, like a default response, and crash in until you get an attachment. As soon as you get an attachment, relocate your position. So second I the tactile on somebody by holding him, I don't need to look at him. Plus the fact it's chaotic and moving anyway, you know, you're going to get tunnel vision, your vision's going to be distorted. But I get a general idea of where the next subject is, and I'm the one I'm holding for cover while I'm bashing bits off him. This gives me an opportunity to put him in a position where I take away his attacking capability and I can take him off the planet. The second I'm doing that, I put him in front of his friend, which means his friend ain't getting to me now. Mm -hmm. From there, I've immediately dealt with one, and now we'll probably have to engage the second. 
In such a situation, these are the three uh, responses that I diagnosed. You see two people giving you some shit, and you knock one out. The one that stood with him is either going to back up like he's been hit with a taser, telling you you don't want one, in which case, you know, you've got no moral or legal right to pursue him. He's no longer a threat. You lose a verbal physical boundary and tell him to back away. Or when you drop the first guy, he's going to freeze like a rabbit in the headlights, which is the most common thing I've seen. The thing that still deems him a threat is, for that second he's frozen in the headlights, he's still in proximity to touch me. I don't know this man, so I don't know when he clears his head momentarily if he'll run or if he'll attack. In which case, I'll hit him if I can't get away from him. The last response is, the second I drop the first guy, the second guy is already attacking me, in which case he was about to anyway. But you've still got the odds down. You've still still changed a potential two-on-one into one-on-one, one-on-one. Lee, especially in this new combatives environment where mixed martial arts have become so dominating, a lot of people, whether they're trained or untrained, have tried to apply MMA type and traditional martial arts tactics to real street fight scenarios. The problem with this is that when it comes to multiple attackers, it's a lot harder to apply traditional response to such a dynamic scenario. So what would you say is the overall best methodology tactics-wise for surviving a mass attack? Well, when I teach this mass attack program, I teach it from two perspectives. The first one is where you really don't have the potential to fight. It's all about damage limitation. The second one is where you still have the potential to fight. So the first one would be if you get mass surrounded, you're getting hit from all directions, and very quickly you are going down. You ain't fighting back from that. The best that you can do is protect your um, spine and, and your skull. And by backing it into the wall, backing it into the floor, keeping yourself covered up as best as possible, and bolting as soon as you get an opportunity to make a escape. You know, it's, it's damage limitation and escape. That's really what it is. The second one is where you still have the potential to fight. If you've got five or six or seven people surrounding you, it's unlikely that they're all going to beat you at the same time. When one knocks you down, they will all give you a token kick in the head just to say that they took part. But in terms of fighting tooth and nail, momentarily while you're still on your feet, it's unlikely they're all going to be attacking you, particularly if you position yourself in jungles, use the environment, corners, your doorway. But all you can use is principles and tactics. I mean, the main concept that we use is, in any multiple situation, be proactive. So preemptive is a good word, but that doesn't necessarily mean strike. That might mean flank to his outside and push him into the other guy and run. It might mean start talking fast as you're backing up. Or it might mean hit first. When I preempt the first one, it's got to be a good shot. I've only got time for one shot. So that's why I say in mass attacks, I say when you do hit, you know, you want clinical targets. Now, the, the, the problem with most of these people that have jumped on the reality-based self-defense and use combatives as a buzzword is they're still technical driven. And you can tell them when they're talking on forums, you know, is it best to hit them with this or is it best to hit them with that? Well, the first thing you've got to do is get your head right. And then if you've got your head right, it doesn't matter what you hit them with, it's always got juice, particularly if it's ambushed and it's unannounced. You know, basically cut them on head, 
crash inside his space and fight back with anything I can. That's a broad concept that will cover a myriad of things, as opposed to technical responses. Well, if he throws his left hand, I'll do that. If he's positioned this way, I'll do this. Because all that will fall apart like a fucking paper condom. You will not think, as soon as any unannounced situation happens like that, when the adrenaline hits your body, you will go mid-brain. And in a mid-brain state, what you've put on a subconscious disc is what's going to come out. Nothing conscious. So intricate, fine motor skill, complexity and movement will just fall out of your ass, mate. It just won't work. In either case, do something before they do something. The second thing is mobility. You know, a moving target is harder to track, therefore harder to hit. So move, particularly if it's animated right from the off. Well, Lee, this is, uh, wow, this is taking a whole lot of turns in this conversation, and there's a lot more information than I anticipated. So uh, I really appreciate you, you taking some time with us to share, share right. these strategies today. Again, everyone, I'm, I'm really not kidding that Lee's training is some of the best out there. So please take my advice and go visit his website at www.urbancombatives.com and take advantage of his DVDs and his training seminars. I promise that you're going to see a lot of value in them. So until the next broadcast. This is Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat and Survival saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.